I feel like we could just go home right now. But we won't, so sorry. I know you guys are waiting for those nugs. Uh, that's okay. I want everybody to reach underneath their seat and grab the card. We're going to take some time to fill that out. I'm going to give you a chance to enter into that life that CJ talked about, to find that community, to find those friends, to find the people that will stand beside you at your wedding, that you will go to a, you'll go on vacations with, people you'll hang out with the rest of your time here at JMU, maybe even people that you will live with next year. Because did you know it's already time to pick who you're living with next year? I know you didn't know that, but you should just look down the row and pick them. Uh, go ahead and fill that card out. Uh, here's a note, especially for the young men in the room. If you could write legibly, that'd be really helpful. I know you don't write very often anymore, but I have terrible penmanship, and so I, tough. My wife is in the back saying, you do. It's terrible. It's the worst. Also, while you're filling that out, you should all know today is my wife's birthday. So you guys think the nugs are for you, but they're actually for her. It's all I got her. <laughs> no, but really, though. So once you finish that, you can pass those to the insides, uh, and somebody's going to grab them. Looks like Jack's going to be one of those guys. <laughs> oh, does the pen not work? You want to try a different one? I find if you lick it, it helps. Yeah. I did. She didn't even. She didn't even look at me. What up? That was tough. Tough. I wouldn't be mad about it. Are there any more? Yes, I see that hand. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hands up all over the room. Yes, yes. This whole row had bad pens, so I blame no one but myself. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Also, I have extremely more... Is that correct? Who cares? Uh, confidence than Jack does that we're going to beat WVU this weekend. Do they even have a quarterback at WVU? No, they don't. Do they even have a coach? They don't even know who their coach is. Come on. They blew the whole program up. They have no idea what's happening. We got this. So. Well, I'm not mad about that. You have done your homework. Oh. You went to that. Good for you. Wow. That is great. Awesome. Hey, so anyways, welcome to Chi Alpha. Thank you so much. Thank you. I was worried. I have that down in my notes with an exclamation point, and I wrote down. Maybe they'll laugh. Maybe they won't. Who could say? So anyways, my name is Josh Moran. My wife, who you met earlier, and I are the team leaders here for JMU Chi Alpha. I have a picture of my family that I would like to show you. Who could say? That's my family. We are mountain people. 
Oh my gosh. Isn't that adorable? Look at that. So this is my family. Katie and I have been married for, let's say, 10 years. We've been married for 10 years. Katie and I met in Chi Alpha. So if everybody would look around to their left and to their right and to around them, this could be your chance. This could be your chance. Katie and I met my second year, her first year of college. Uh, I was a sophomore, she was a freshman. Uh, we didn't start dating until she had graduated. Uh, before then, I dated her co-leader, and she dated my housemate, and we just kind of traded around. So <laughs> you have time, don't worry. Uh, these are our four kids. Uh, we are at Disney World. We were there this summer. Here, I'm going to give you two pro tips uh, at the very beginning of the message. No, no one pro tip, stay on your parents' health insurance as long as you possibly can. Allow them to pay your cell phone bill, let them pay your utilities as long as they will possibly do it, and then if they are willing to take you on a vacation, you should go. So my parents took us to Disney World this past summer. It was awesome. Uh, and this is us with all of us. We have matching shirts that have our names on them because we just want random strangers to know who we are. And so uh, down here in the front, Emma, you'll see she's wearing the, uh, the, the, the shirt that says Emma. That's good. That's helpful. Yeah. Uh, Emma is nine years old. Emma is a fourth grader at Spotswood Elementary. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Emma loves to read. Um, she is so stinking smart. Uh, she reads all the time. She got two books from the library this week. She's already read both of them. Uh, many times at night, we will sneak into her room and pull her away from her window because she's there. We had to take her nightlight away from her because she would just stay up all night reading. She loves to read. She's super smart, super fun. Uh, next is Levi. He's our son with the Spider-Man hat right there, looking tough. Um, Levi is seven. He is in the second grade at uh, Spotswood Elementary. Levi is a, our most compassionate child. Uh, he is super cuddly. Uh, he loves to sit on your lap and to uh, what I would call, what do you say? I say nuzzle. You guys know what I mean when I say nuzzle? He likes to nuzzle you like when he gets up close. Uh, his favorite things in life are golf, baseball, and riding the four-wheeler. Um, and so we just moved to the city, so riding the four-wheeler is tough, though uh, I did hide it in the shed, and I'm waiting for the snow to come to get the four-wheeler out. So if any of you want to come over, I'd be glad to pull you until the cops come. So that's going to be another sign of Chi Alpha. We're going to do things until the cops come. Um, and so uh, next is our son Judah. Judah is four years old, um, and whereas I, he is in... Uh, We'll say he's in preschool. Um, Levi is our most compassionate child. Judah is our most passionate child. Uh, this boy doesn't do anything halfway. He does everything full tilt. He is a fighter. He is a thrower. He is a swinger. He is a yeller. He is all of these things. Uh, but he is, um, I mean, this is being recorded right now, but he might be my favorite right now. Um, and so... <laughs> you see my wife says she's like, you're an idiot. I know. it's should be looking at the notes right now, but we're not. Um, and then our youngest daughter, Esther, um, is there. She just turned two. Um, she is completely adorable. Um, her name is Esther Joy, and she has been a tremendous amount of fun for our family. Uh, she enjoys uh, ice cream. She enjoys uh, hanging out with anyone. She likes talking to people. She just got a new butterfly backpack. 
um, that she is really into, and so she's been wearing that to campus. Um, if any of you are freshmen, uh, maybe you answered the question earlier where your favorite place on campus is. Mine would currently be the quad, and that would be because that's where Judah learned how to ride a two-wheeler. Uh, this summer, he uh, just we went down to the quad, he rode it. It took him probably about eight minutes to learn how to ride a two-wheeler, um, and so that was great. And then uh, the three older kids, and then Esther has been, we've been pulling her in a wagon. Um, if any of you were at freshman orientation and you were surrounded by a group of kids circling uh, your orientation group over the summer, that was them. Um, and so they've been having a good time doing that. And so uh, we rode to uh, Auntie Anne's at Taylor Down Under this week. Uh, and I think they almost ran over several different students. Uh, but they have no choice but smile at them because they're just so stinking adorable. Um, and then they move into your house. Uh, anyways, uh, that is, those are, that's my family. That's our kids. I'll show you a picture of my house. What up? Oh my gosh, it, that doesn't look like our house. Uh, if To really picture our house, you need about 17 bikes in the front yard. And so uh, we live on Westview, right off South Mason, uh, just about a short, probably maybe a seven iron away from the Student Success Center. Uh, if you're a guy like CJ, probably a five iron for me. Um, and so just down there, it's been a lot of fun for us to live there, to be amongst college students and to to be able to hang out. The kids have been thrilled for the move. Um, and so I am passionate about uh, all of us pursuing Jesus together. And I'm passionate that this would be the adventure of a lifetime for all of us. That when we look at following Jesus, that it would be a tremendous amount of fun, that it would be a joyful pursuit of what he would have for us. And, and in order for us to go on that adventure with Jesus, in order for us to know this adventure for Jesus, has got to start somewhere. So tonight, we're going to talk about beginnings. We're going to talk about the start. Many of you are sitting out here, and you're at the beginning of something. You're at the beginning of your college career. You're at the beginning of your senior year. You're at the beginning of new friendships. You're at the beginning of, of trying something new. All of you are at the beginning of Chi Alpha at JMU, because this is our first meeting. And so congratulations to you. Great job. Great job. Great job. And what we know is that beginnings can be very important. Beginnings can be some of the biggest decisions we will make. How we start sometimes determines how we end. Chip and Dan Heath, which are their leadership gurus, which I'm not sure how you become a leadership guru. I think you just like uh, say that you are one and then you get to be one. And so if any of you are looking for something to do for a career path, I recommend Leadership Guru. You write books and people buy them. Um, so I bought Chip and Dan's last book. And uh, in the book, they talk about... The, the beginning of things as being tremendously important. And then they said this. They said, actually, when you look back at your college career, be it four years, or for some of you, maybe five years, nothing wrong with a victory lap, um, the memories that you will have, 40% of them will come from your very first six weeks. As you think about what college was like, you'll remember the first time you moved into a dorm, You'll remember the first time the AC didn't work and you tried to sleep in the village. That's tough. Uh, you'll remember the first time you ate in a dining hall. You'll remember the first friends you made. You'll remember the first lease that you signed. You'll remember many of these first things that will happen during your first six weeks. When you write a resume, the cover page matters. When you write a paper, that first paragraph, that first sentence matter. Beginnings matter. Some of the most famous books that have ever been written have very famous beginnings. And so I'm going to read some of those to you right now. The first one 
It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Of course, Dickens and Tale of Two Cities. Next, Call Me Ishmael, Melville and Moby Dick. Once there were four children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Lewis is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I see some of you are playing along. Great, that's great. Some of you did take English classes in high school. Congratulations. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Driver, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. That one is from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which I have never read, but I assume that your generation has. Um, even some other things in our lives have very famous beginnings. The next one here. Drew looks at me, and I fake a smile so that he won't see. Yes, that is Vintage Taylor. Teardrops on my guitar. Or maybe, maybe this one's more of your flavor. Girls, we run this. Yes, that is my girl, Beyonce. And who run the world? That's right, good. Or uh, you used to call me on my cell phone. Yes, uh, that's your boy Drake in Hotline Bling. So I, I had to look that one up, sorry. I know you guys are like, dude, this guy's hip. <laughs> no, he's not. You're right on both counts. So this semester we're going to be working through the book of John, and John has one of the most famous beginnings in all of Scripture, in all of the known world. The beginning of John is one of the most famous beginnings. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible, we would love to give you one. So you just want to throw your hand up in the air uh, like, and wave it around like you just don't care. Um, then Katie would be glad to pass you out a Bible. Don't be afraid. We brought them for you. Um, you can have it, you can keep it, you can write in it. Um, I encourage writing in your Bible. Maybe that's new to you, maybe it's not. And so, but there you go. So we're going to be reading from John chapter 1. It's on page uh, 1059 in my Bible. Maybe that's helpful for you, maybe it's not. John is one of the Gospels. It is in the second half. If you find yourself in the middle in Psalms, just keep going. Uh, you'll find uh, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then followed by John. If you've gotten to Acts or, let's say, Corinthians or Colossians, you've gone too far. You can turn back. Um, and so... Yeah, so you can find John chapter 1. Tonight we're going to be beginning our study in the book of John, and we'll be traveling through John the rest of the semester. I'm excited. John is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love talking about the Gospel of John because John is so clear in what he wants us to get from the very beginning. What we'll see tonight and what he wants for us and what he wants for his readers is for them to understand who Jesus is. And maybe you're coming here tonight and you're wondering, who is Jesus? Who is this person? Who is this uh, figure? Who is this thing that Christians talk about? And I've heard so much about Jesus. And tonight we're going to take a start at looking at who Jesus is and what he can mean for us and what he can mean for us as a community and what he can mean for us as individuals. And so I am excited. Uh, scholars put John's gospel in a different category than the first three. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered the synoptic gospels. John's gospel is, um, was written after the other gospels, believed to be written somewhere around 90 A.D., 
um, John at the end of his life, thinking back, and then John takes the chance to sermonize more of the gospel accounts than the synoptic gospel writers do. And so John would take a, a, a passage or a story of Jesus, it, something that he had seen and heard and had been with, and then he'll give you the reason why it happened. And so we'll see a lot of asides throughout the gospel of John where, where John will be telling us, this is why this happened. This was the first sign, which is a, a prelude to next week's message, or this was the second sign, or this is what Jesus was, was telling the disciples happened, and this is why that happened, and that's why I love John. It puts the cookies, it, it's a, it puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. How many of you know, like, when you want cookies, you don't want to have to, like, climb up and over all the cabinets to get the cookies? You just want the cookies on the bottom shelf, and so if you guys, if you grab candy on your way in, we've had that candy sitting in our living room, and our kids have loved that because it's been sitting in the living room, and so every day they come home, and they've been crushing candy, and so they've been crazy. It's been awesome, so we just go ride bikes a lot, um, but that has nothing to do with the message. So anyways, let's read. Let's start in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John writes, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Nothing, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And in the other Gospels, they start with this is the, the beginning. This is the story of Jesus. And, and John kind of gives them a, a head nod, like, yes, this is the beginning. But then John takes his Gospel and goes so far further back that actually he says the beginning of Jesus, the beginning of this story of Jesus, the beginning of who this Jesus is and, and who he wants to be, the beginning of this was at the beginning of time. That he was the, he was the pre-incarnate Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And what we'll see is that Jesus, is the one that has been there from the very beginning. He was the one that was there at the start. In him was light and life, and that he is the ultimate creator. He is the ultimate initiator. He is the God that brings forth life, that speaks it into existence, that looks at the chaos of the world and begins it, that Jesus is that God. Jesus is that person. He is fully man, and he is fully God. That is who Jesus is. It says that light and life are, are a part of the life in Jesus. And what we'll see throughout the, throughout the semester as the series continues is that light and life are, will be themes that will continue to bring forth in, in John's gospel. That there are things that he wants to say that this is what comes with Jesus. There is life that is in him. Life that is lived abundantly. Life that is lived full. Life that is, has no regrets. Life that is on fire. And then there is light. And I love this picture of light that he says. He says that, he says that the, the darkness has not overcome it. That's because what we know about light is that darkness cannot possibly overcome light. That whenever there is light and there is darkness, light always wins. That whenever you are in a dark place and that the light is turned on, be it uh, your cell phone flashlight or be it uh, an actual flashlight. Do you guys know what actual flashlights are anymore? Nope, tough. Um, and so what, what we see is that whenever light is turned on, darkness is no longer there because the light is so much greater. It doesn't mean that darkness doesn't exist. It just means that light is so much more. Light is so much greater. Light is on a whole other level than darkness. And that is what, what John is trying to tell his followers. That is what John is trying to tell us today 
is that if you feel like you're in a dark place, that the light will be there for you. The light will come for you. The light is waiting for you. Just come to it, turn the light on, and that darkness will flee. John then continues in verse 6. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Huh, interesting. John's gospel mentions a guy named John. Interesting enough, this is not John the gospel writer, okay? This is John the Baptist. Maybe you've heard of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is mentioned explicitly in the other three gospels, but here in John's gospel, he doesn't mention that it's John the Baptist because in John's gospel, he never actually mentions himself. Uh, he never calls him, call, he like, when he talks about the disciples, he's like, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so if you think like John didn't mention, mention himself because it was out of humility, it's not. Um, and so he just, it's just kind of like one of those weird things when we read the gospel. It's just like, like, yo, John, you can just say that it was you. Like, it, it's okay. Uh, but he's like, nah, fam. Um, and so instead, he, uh, so whenever he mentions John, it is John the Baptist. And whenever he mentions the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's him. So you got that? Yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you. You're going to be out there with the roller skates on Friday night. I can see it already. Um, and so, uh, so, anyway, it says that, so it continues. It says, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, being Jesus, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Um, and so what John is telling us about John everybody following? Good. Is that he came only as a witness to testify. Now, I just want to mention two, one brief thing here. Witness and testify, those in the original Greek language would have been strong courtroom language. And we see this throughout the gospel narratives, is that the, the gospel writers use strong language to describe what they saw, to describe what they knew to be true. And they would have written this with contemporaries that would have lived around them that would have been able to say that that is not true. But John is, is taking a moment here at the very beginning of the gospel to say that, that he was a witness, that this is trustworthy, that this is true, that this is worthy to bet our lives on. And he uses such strong language to try to set the tone for what the beginning of his gospel would be in order that we may go on that beginning today. He continues in verse 9. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Let's camp out here for a little bit in this passage. Scholars agree that these five, six verses right here that we just read are the crux of the prologue of John. They are the crux of the beginning of what John is laying out. He has laid it out in such a way that, that as you would have read it in the original language, you would have seen that it was all pointing to this because John wants us to know and John wants us to believe the true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. That, that this light was there that, that, that would be for everyone, that would be for all people has shown up. And so he, what he's, he's saying is that as this light has come in, we have to have a response to that light. 
And that actually, after in verses 10 and 11 are two of the most terrifying verses that I would read to you this evening. It says, it says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, though he was the pre-incarnate word, Though he was there at the beginning, though he spoke creation into existence, though he is the creator, though he is the initiator, though he is the God that does all of these things, the God that has done and that is doing all of these things, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. When I read those verses in preparation, it was terrifying to me to read this and to think that the Lord of glory, the God of creation, the God of the host, the God that that had done all these things appeared before them, showed up in their midst, performed miracles, did teachings, did healings, fed the 5,000, did all these miraculous things. And they looked at him and they didn't recognize him. They had built this other image in their mind of what the Messiah was going to be. And through 400 years of silence and through all their different laws and through all their different beliefs and through through hearing what someone's uh, mother-in-law said or what someone else's mother said or what their friend said or what someone else said, they had built this character. They had built this picture of what they pictured the Messiah to look like, what they thought that Jesus would be. And when this guy shows up as the true light of the world, the one that created all things, they look at him and they don't recognize him. And I think, how could that happen? How could this be? And I think back on my own life. I think back on what my life was like as as I met Jesus for the very first time in Chi Alpha. As I met Jesus for the first time in a real, tangible way, and I realized that I had built a false picture of who God was also. I had taken a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I would hoped that Jesus would be more like this or that, that God would love the way that I would want him to love or that God would do this the way that I would want him to do it, and I had missed him for years. You all live on a college campus. There are a lot of different thoughts about who Jesus is. There's a lot of different thoughts about who Jesus wants to be in your life and what that could mean for you. You look up and down your hall, you look in your classrooms, there are a lot of different ways to define Jesus, to define God, to define our eternality, our immortality, if you will. But John is saying, this is the true light. Jesus is the true light. The one that came into the world, the one that created the world, is the only one that is worthy to follow. Don't try to put your hope in something that has been man-made. Put your hope in something that made man. Put your hope in something that was there from the beginning. Got it off on the right start and is still with us now. We know that because that is how the text continues the text continues, it says, it says, he gave the right, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It says, the world became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the, his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What we see is that the word became flesh and dwelled among us, uh, 
He, he tabernacled among us. He pitched his tent among us. He lived amongst us. He, he knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to suffer because he lived amongst us. He is one that is of us. This would have been, been strong Old Testament tabernacle language. And as he says, that, he says the, uh, the glory of the one and only Son, that we have seen his glory. In the Old Testament, what we know is that, that there would have been a tabernacle set in the middle of the camp. And that in that tabernacle would have been a place called the Holy of Holies. And this would have been a place that, that only the high priest would be able to go into to, eat, to, go into, to see what we call the Ark of the Covenant, where upon the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord would reside, and only certain people at certain times and certain festivals, after doing certain things over and over again, would be able to enter into that presence. But John is saying that that's not it anymore. That that light, that that glory has been broken open, and that it now is available for everyone, for anyone who would call on his name in order that, that they might become children of God. Children not born of a natural descent or of a man's decision, but born of God. Now what John is saying from the beginning is that this is the life that is lived to the full. Life lived understanding the glory of God. Life lived knowing that the light of the world is here with us. Life lived knowing that this is it. This is abundance. This is fullness. This is joy. And I love that John continues. He says, he says that if you were having any questions about who Jesus is, he says he came from the Father, and he is full of grace and truth. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I have prayed this, this verse over Chi Alpha for longer than I care to admit that we would be a community that would be full of grace and truth. If you're full of, some of you have grown up around the church or you've seen pictures of the church on TV and you've seen churches that are high on truth and low on grace. And these are what we call legalists and they're not really a lot of fun to be around. They're stuffy, they have a lot of rules. You have to wear certain things and do certain things. You have to jump through the right amount of hoops and do the right number of backflips and open your mouth just right and then they will let you come in, and then they will let you be a part of the community, and then you can do this, and then you can do that. And then some of you, maybe you've attended one of these, maybe you've seen other churches that are high on grace and low on truth. And so whatever you do doesn't matter. Your grace is your grace is your grace is your grace. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There is no truth. We can't which is just a fascinating statement, right? There is no truth, which is the only truth. But that, I'm sorry, I'm confused myself. Um, and so like, like to, to have a, a, a savior that from the beginning says, I am full of grace and truth. Truth, I love you more than you could ever imagine. I've known you longer than you could ever know. And grace in the sense that it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you were. It, doesn't, it more matters who I am, and I want to be with you. I want to be full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus is, and that's what he is offering to us, to you, to us as at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of this season of your life, to have a life that is full of grace and truth. 
is what I would wish for you. It's what I would hope for you. It's what I pray for you, that you would see that, that you would believe that, and that you would know that. It's interesting in my mind that the word grace is actually only used twice in John's gospel here in the prologue. It's not used through the the rest of the time, but from now on, throughout the rest of the gospel, John will substitute, instead of using the word grace, he will use the life lived in God. And I think that that is what I want for you all. As we prepare to land this thing, as we prepare to come in for some chicken nuggets, um, I want to say that I want you to have a life that is lived in God. A life that is lived, that is full of grace and truth. A life that is lived to the full. A life that is lived abundantly. A life that would be full of more fun than you could ever imagine. A life that would be the adventure that you could never go on. A life that would have brothers and sisters that you could only dream of having. Because you have met the one that created it all. You have met the one that initiated it all. That you had met the author of fun. That you had met the author of the party. That you would meet the God who truly knows you and cares you about you and wants to know you more. Full of grace and truth. Full of joyful, loving abundance. Abundance. Life lived in more ways than you could ever imagine. Full abundance. So the worship band's going to come up as we prepare to close. And that is the question. As you think about the life lived in God, as you think about being a child of God, the question is, will you take this as your beginning or not? Will you take this as the beginning of the step that you would take towards the King of Glory? Or would this be just another night that you would have? So that's the story of the second half of John's gospel. The first half is people continue to reject him. They continue to reject him. They reject him over and over again. But in the second half of John's gospel, they begin to get it. And they begin to see that abundant life. They begin to see that life lived truly and wholly and completely on purpose and full of passion. Don't I sound really spiritual when they play the keys like that? So I'm just going to give you a chance right now, just in the privacy of your own seat, just to have a moment. And to think, what is it for me? As I think about my life, as I think about the, the opportunities before me, as I think about my past, as I think about my future, what would that life lived in grace and truth that life as a child of God mean to you? What would it look like for you? What decisions would you need to make right now? What pre-choices would you need to make? I sat in an auditorium much like this in the fall of 2003. At the, the end of the message, I knew that I knew that I knew that I had been living a double life. That I had been living for myself that I had been living selfishly. And that when I met the true Jesus, the pre-incarnate word, the God that had created all things, I couldn't help but follow him. So with every head bow and every eyes closed, I'm just going to give you a chance right now. If that's you tonight, if you're ready to take a step, if you're ready to become a Jesus person, 
If you're ready to see what that would look like for you, I'm just going to give you a chance just to slip your hand up just as an, an act of surrender as unto yourself between you and Jesus. any longer. Would there be one more? Amen. Well, Jesus, we thank you for the chance to be gathered here tonight. God, we thank you for the new life that is offered in you, that you are the God of creation, that you are the initiator. God, we declare as the community of Chi Alpha that we want to live this out. We want to live the life of abundance, the life of fullness, and the life that is lived well in you. Amen. So I have a gift for you all to help you remember tonight so that you know that you were at the first ever Chi Alpha meeting. And so they are on the end of the aisles on the outsides. So if you are not, you can slide down to the end and grab your bag. There's a bag. You can pass them down. It's a keychain. You can put it on your backpack. It will actually help me tremendously if you put it on your backpack so that I meet you on campus. I'll know why we know each other. Um, and so, <laughs> I, but you'll see on one side it says XA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And on the other side, it's got the anchor. And we've talked about the anchors multiple times tonight. Hunter talked about them in the opening. CJ talked about them in his testimony. And I think that as you live lives with Jesus, the anchors are the way in which you will be able to thrive in your life with Jesus. But if you can get these three things during your four or five years at JMU, if you can understand what a real devotion to Jesus looks like, to know him and be known by him, to commune with him, to hang out with him throughout the day and throughout the weeks and throughout the years, and if you can see what that lives like in real community, if you can find some of the best brothers or sisters that you could ever imagine that you would vacation with, that they would watch your kids. Our kids have, have friends that we met in college, and our kids call them aunt and uncle. Though, I mean, he's Korean, so there's like no chance that he, you know, you know what I mean? And so like, but like, it's, it is that, it is the depth of brotherhood that we have because of our time in Chi Alpha, because of what the gospel is to us. And that you would live that out in real responsibility. That you would take it upon yourself to proclaim Jesus in very dark places, the light would win. That you would proclaim Jesus early and Jesus often. That you would talk about Jesus to your friends because he's the thing that matters the most to you. And that you would care about what the, the Old Testament calls the least of these. The orphans, the widows, and the poor. That those who have been oppressed, those who have no voice, those who have been systemically oppressed, that the gospel would bring them freedom and that we would care about that because that is who our God is. 
a God of grace and a God of truth. So we're going to respond with a song. So you can, you can all stand with me right now. The band is going to lead us in a song, and then I'll come out and close us out.